0: should be live now. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen.
1: On time. We're, well, one minute late. One minute past, dude. But that's fine. Hopefully everybody's having a blessed day today as we are. Every day is a blessed day. It's always a reason to be joyful in the Lord. There was a storm today, and I uh, pray that everybody was safe, stayed dry. Well, I know I definitely did not stay dry, <laughs> so... Well, it was a real bad storm, but it didn't last that long. I had joy through that storm, as well as through the spiritual storm, because neither one of them will last always. So as you can see from the title, we're going to be talking about repentance. What is repentance? Jesus says, unless we all repent, we shall all likewise perish. So what is the correct way to repent? We'll be getting into that because there is definitely a correct way to do so. Yes, we say we're sorry, we go to God and tell him that we're sorry for our sins, but that doesn't mean to continue to do the sins that we say we're sorry for. It is a change of heart, a change of way, a change of mindset. The thing that we're addicted to, the sin that we're addicted to, the sin that we like doing, we have to stop putting ourselves in that position to do that sin. It has to be a total change. And without any further ado, I'll pass it over to Minister Tony Banks.
0: Thank you, Mevin. Uh Before we begin, as always, we'd like to say a prayer. If you that are watching us would we'll bow your heads with us also if you have a, the opportunity. Heavenly Father, thank you for gracing us with your presence, Lord. Thank you for gracing us with another chance to come and study your word. Lord, we're praying for just... Or an opening of our minds, and open, an opening of our understanding so that we would continue to grow in you and that we would continue to just comprehend your word, Lord. And we're praying for all of the sick, the shut-in, the afflicted, Lord, all of us that are coming to you with burdens, things that we want you to carry for us, the load. Lord, we're praying that you would help us through these things, through these trials, through these storms, And help us to remember, Lord, that there is joy, in even in the midst of the storm. Help us to remember that, Lord. So we pray these many blessings in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, um, as Melvin already said, we're going to talk about repentance, because it's a very crucial part of our salvation. And so... Being that is the case, we need to actually know what repentance even is. Because, as with anything in Scripture, there's a lot of misunderstandings on it. And so, I wanted to look at uh, 2 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, and the 10th verse. And we'll read that first, and then we'll
1: jump back up and then come back down to get a clearer picture of it. All right, and unto the married I command, yet not I. Oh,
0: Second Corinthians.
1: Oh, I'm in mean First Corinthians, <laughs> Second Corinthians, seven, verse ten. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For godly sorrow
0: worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow, of the, wor- the sorrow of the world worketh death. A lot of times, if a, person, <laughs> if a person does something wrong to another person, they'll say, I'm sorry. But they'll continue doing the exact thing that they said they were sorry for which is a sorrow that that sorry right there is the world's sorry. That's what we use as people. We say, I'm sorry. We don't even mean it. Why? Because we continue to do the exact same thing. But here Paul lets us know there is a godly sorrow and that works repentance. That works a change of heart. Which leads to a change of action. That's all repentance is. It's a change of heart that leads to a change of action. And like I said, it's just so often that we say we're sorry, but we continue doing the same thing and we have to come back tomorrow and say we're sorry. We have to come back next week and say we're sorry. That's not a godly sorrow. So let's go back up though to verse
1: eight and come down. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent though I did repent for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry though it were but for a season. So Paul starts here by telling how he made
0: these people, the Corinth church, whoever he was talking to, uh, whatever he was talking about, I don't know what they did. Uh, Specifically, because he gives us a whole lot of things that they've done wrong. But he tells us that he made them feel bad, he made them sorrowful. And it was only for a season, it didn't last. But he
1: says he doesn't repent for it. But let's go down and see why. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. Now, he says he is happy
0: that they felt bad. Why? Because they felt bad enough to repent, to change their mistake. So he feels good. Not the fact that that he had to correct them and they felt bad and they, they were upset about it he's not happy that a person was upset, but he's happy that they were upset to the standpoint that they would correct their issues. So he said, it didn't last for a long time. You weren't upset forever. Yes, I had to tell you some things that you weren't doing, but it was good for you. And he did it in a manner of which that he wouldn't damage them. And so a lot of times, and I was, Um, I was talking about this with uh, another minister, and I was curious even myself to what the damage part meant just by the way that it words it there. But there are certain ways that we can talk to a person and it'll hurt them. And I know even myself, (laughs) I've done this before, which is not a good thing, it's wrong. And so even myself, I have to work on it. There's ways we can present something to a person. Now, you may be right, but the way and the manner of which you said it, that person may not even want to talk to you ever again just because of how you said it. Now, sometimes (laughs) this doesn't matter how you say it. Somebody's going to take it the wrong way regardless. But there are better ways of which you can say something. And so Paul says, look, I told you that you were messing up, but I didn't do it to damage you. I didn't do it to to hurt your feelings. I didn't do it to just to out of spite. I did it with the hope that you would repent, that you would be godly sorrowful, that you would say, "Man, I've messed up, and I feel bad about it. it it's hurting my heart." I know even myself. Sometimes we get in a position where we tell God, you know what, God, I'm not gonna do this thing wrong ever again. This wrong thing that I told, I made a promise to you, God. I remember, I remember myself I did this. And he told us not to even make a promise. And I didn't even know that. But I said, I'm not gonna do this ever again. And I found myself doing the exact same thing God told me not to do. And I felt horrible about it. I didn't have to, Paul didn't have to tell me that in a letter I already knew it well because of Paul's letters uh, but I already knew what I had done was wrong and so I was godly sorrowful about it and I wanted to do better I wanted to not make the same mistake again and so uh,
1: let's go down to ten. for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of but the sorrow of the world worked at death. If we're truly sorry for something we've
0: done, it'll make us not want to do it again. So true repentance is not only saying I'm sorry, but it's actually trying as hard as you can with everything that's in you to not do the exact same thing that you had done, to not make the same mistake twice, three times, four times. Because I know if, if Melvin hit me and he said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it, and he turns around and hits me again, not even three seconds later, I'm starting to get a little iffy. I'm like, okay, well, he messed up again. And he hits me again in another three seconds, Say, man, hold on, I, I just don't think Melvin's sorry. He keeps trying <laughs> to do this. Why is it continuing to happen and we're just sitting here? So there's so many instances where we say, God, I'm sorry, but we're truly not sorry. So that's what he's talking about in the second part that he said, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. We know the wages of sin is death. We know there is a hell to pay if we don't get in line with God but that's how we are as people we've been deceived by so many people who tell us we don't have to do anything all we got to do is just call on the name of Jesus and we'll be alright but Jesus himself which Melvin mentioned earlier, Jesus himself said except ye repent ye shall all likewise perish if we don't repent if we don't change from our ways, if we don't become godly sorrowful to the point where we don't even want to do the same wrong anymore then God will grant us eternal life but if we just continue to say I'm sorry I'm so sorry but don't even mean it and continue on living the same life that we've always lived he said you're going to end up with death you're going to end up in a lake of fire Paul tells us that plainly here. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. But godly sorrow, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. If we want to be saved, then we will feel godly sorrowful and change. But I want to go to the book of Matthew. Matthew the... chapter and we're going to look at this in two different places it's going to be the same story but um, one of the writers give us a little bit more detail but we're going to look at Matthew 3 and we'll look at verse 7 we're we're talking about actually we'll we'll just jump back up we're going to actually start at verse 5 Actually, let's go ahead and start at verse one. We're talking about John the Baptist here and the message that
1: he came to teach to people. Let's look at what John was saying. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist came saying the same
0: stuff Jesus said. He came in the wilderness and he told them to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Salvation is coming to you. We need to repent. Same message we're coming, to, coming, with, a, coming with today, saying we need to repent. And so let's drop down, actually, to verse
1: 6. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Many
0: people went out to him and got baptized.
1: But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generations of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? (laughs) He saw some people who he knew
0: these people were not trying to change. So he said, who warned y'all? Don't y'all already say that y'all are already right? Look at what he says in the next verse. Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. Really what he's saying, we'll we'll clear it up and uh we're gonna go to Luke and we'll we'll talk about it more there. But he said y'all need to show that you really want to change. You need to show that you're sorry for your actions. There's no point of us getting baptized today and we don't want to give up our lives. We don't want to truly do what God says do because I hear it so often. I was talking to one person and we were talking about uh, just certain things that aren't right in the world. And so the guy, he can easily say that one thing was not right just because he personally didn't agree with it. but. If we go to another scripture, and he sees something that's, that he does that's not right. He said, well, th- things different now. <laughs> but that's how we are as people. We, we kind of want to tailor the scriptures to fit us. But let's go to the book of Luke. Luke, the third chapter. We're going to see the same story going on here. Look at the third chapter and verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. He's saying it again. Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. He's talking about actions. You need to show that you truly want to be saved. Show that you truly sorry. Show that you truly mean what it is that you're saying
1: and begin not to say within yourselves we have abraham to our father for i say unto you that god is able of these stones to raise up children unto abraham Mm -hmm. and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire now
0: he said bring forth therefore fruits meat for repentance he said bring some fruits so, what is the fruits here? What is he talking about? He's talking about actions. Because look at here in verse 9, where he says, Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Um, I didn't bring it up. But in Matthew, and we don't have to go there. I'm going to read it. In Matthew, the 7th chapter, and verse 9. Seventeen, he said, uh, "Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit." And then he comes down and says, "Every every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire." So, same conversation, but. If we want to understand that, if we think about a tree, a natural tree, we know nobody has ever said, nobody has ever looked at an apple tree and said, man, you see that evil apple right there? Nobody says that. There's no such thing as an evil apple. So what he's talking about is us. He's calling us a tree. He's comparing us to a tree. And he said, every good tree that bringeth, every evil tree that bringeth, every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. He's talking about how, if we don't do God's will, if we don't repent, we'll be cast into the fire because He'll determine that we're not profitable. So He's comparing us as people to trees. God's not gonna. Be. <laughs> God's not going to chop down a tree just to throw it into the fire. He's talking about us. Everything, God is always centered around us, which really we should be centered around him. But everything he's done has been for us, his children. So let me go back over here, Um, back to Luke, the third chapter. I thought I had. I thought I had that down where I wanted to go
1: but I guess I did.
0: Luke the 3rd chapter and verse 9. Uh,
1: um, read that again. Yeah, go ahead and read that again. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree thereforth which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Mm-hmm. And the people asked him saying what shall we do then? Now see here's the catch.
0: He told them if the tree does not bring forth good fruit, it's going to be cast down into fire. So they turn around and said, well, well, what do we need to do then? See, they understood. <laughs> they understood he was talking to them. They said, well, what do we need to do? He already told them, repent. So they say, well, what do we need to do? How do we repent?
1: How do we need to do that? Look at what he says. He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. He said we need to have a change of heart.
0: The reason we can't share with each other is because of our heart. The reason I look at someone and I got a closet full of clothes and I'm not willing to give any away is because my heart is wrong. The reason I have, (laughs) I got a meal to eat, and I'm, I got scheduled meals, planned meals, and I see people who don't have anything. And I say, no, nah, that's, that's on them. That's their problem. They got to go get it for themselves. I had to get mine, so they got to get there. That's a heart problem. So John here, he's telling them, you got to repent. You got to have a change of heart because this is the way that God loves us. Look at the way Jesus loved. He wasn't out there just looking out for himself, he looked out for the people first. And so us being followers of Christ, at what point will we start to have that same heart, that same mindset, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. When will we have that same mindset? We have to repent. Let's keep going now. He's just giving some examples here of the mindset
1: change. Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? More people come to him. He said, You need to repent. They said, Well, what do we need to do? And he said unto them, Exact, yeah, exact no more than that which is appointed you. Do whatever God told you to do. We know what God tells us to do. Do it. Mm -hmm. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? Some more people. We got soldiers here. And we
0: know how a soldier treats people. Now he tells them, this is how you need to change. This
1: is what you need to do now. And he said unto them, do violence to no man. Have a change of heart.
0: (laughs) Have a change of heart. That's all repentance is. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We need to repent. We need... To change It's not going to be enough to say, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, just like he told them. He said, look, don't think to say that Abraham is your father. Don't think just because you of Abraham's seed, you're going to be saved. He said, that ain't going to work. So how can we come today and say, well, Jesus Christ, that's, that's my Lord. That's, that's all I got to do. He said, no, Jesus himself, our own Lord and Savior. He said, you must repent. We have to have a change of heart. Mm-hmm. Do no violence. He said, don't, don't go around hurting folks. We know so many uh, people in authority, whether it be a soldier, uh, whether it be a police officer, some type of law enforcement, we know that a lot of people will step outside of their boundaries and become violent even when it, it shouldn't even get to that measure. John said, look, don't do nobody harm. Don't commit violence against people. Mm-hmm. Neither accuse any falsely. Don't go around lying on folks. No, we know it go on. It don't matter what position. I don't care if you're a soldier or or you the mailman. I don't care what position you hold. People are lying. He said, "Look, don't go around lying on folks. Have a change of heart. If we care about somebody, we won't lie on them. We would not want to hurt them. Have a change of heart. We need to repent. Repentance is not just putting a Jesus cross on, and still living the same life that we live, hurting people, violence, lying on them, stealing from them, that's not repentance. It's not repentance. Let's keep going, Middle. And be content with your wages. <laughs> we definitely ain't gonna do that. <laughs> we definitely not gonna do that. But John the Baptist, now he doing some talking here. He said, look, be content with what you making. And we definitely not gonna do that. I'm not even
1: <laughs> I'm not even gonna talk about the money aspect, because we're we not gonna do it. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not.
0: John was a person who stood for the true gospel of Christ. From the standpoint that he came here telling us. If we were doing wrong, John would tell us. What got John in trouble was telling people they needed to repent. Uh, The king, Herod, he was dating his brother's wife. He was in a relationship with his own brother's wife. So, John, now we're talking about a king, a person in authority nobody's just gonna tell the king anything because especially a person in authority, really people, it doesn't matter what position people hold, but especially those of authority, they get to a level where nobody can tell them anything. And so John the Baptist, a man preaching in the wilderness in deserts, wearing camel's clothing. He didn't look like much, had a leather belt around his waist, man didn't look like much. He wasn't walking around in meek. He wasn't a very clean, handsome man. They said, man, that guy looks good right there. No, he was somebody at the bottom of the totem pole. And so for this man to approach the king and say, hold on, man, you, you know that what you're doing with that man's wife is unlawful. You know that's wrong And God's eye. He said, you need to repent, man. You need to give that up. You need to stop that because... If you do not, you'll be cut down and cast into fire. And so that's our plea with people today. That's what John was trying to do. He was telling them all, he was telling them all repent. Do what God told us to do. That's true repentance. Just saying, I'm sorry, God, <laughs> that's not repentance. What good would it do for King Herod to go and tell that man he's sorry and still his wife is still at this man's house? He said, I, well, I went and told him I was sorry, and he never sent the man wife home. She's still at his house. She just mm-hmm. stayed at his house three months now, and he still said, well, I told him I was sorry. <laughs> that's not repentance. That's the sorrow of the world that's gonna lead to death. That's gonna lead to being cast down into the fire. And so as, as followers of Christ, as believers in Christ, we have to be willing to repent. And now, change is one thing that people shy away from. That's the one thing that we don't have any desire to do in a lot of instances, it's changing. It. But again, John pleaded with these people to change. He said, don't come out here and get baptized. And not want to change. You have to repent. That's all. We have to have a change of heart, which leads to a change of action. That's all repentance is. Repentance is not going to the confession box and just saying, Father, I've sinned, and then leave the confession box and continue in the same sin. Uh, Paul talked about that in Romans 6 chapter. He said, How how can we continue in sin? How are we gonna do that? What shall, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid that. God forbid that we will continue in sin. God wants us to repent. That's the reason John the Baptist came here preaching repentance. That's the reason Jesus Christ came here preaching repentance. Let's go look at Jesus. Uh, Jesus talks to them in the 13th chapter. And we'll start at verse one. Jesus talks about repenting.
1: There were prison at that season some that that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. There are some people here who told
0: Jesus and his disciples about how Pilate had killed some people. Pilate had some people killed.
1: Now, let's keep going down to verse 2. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things. Now, Jesus used this as a teaching moment, and he's so
0: good at doing it. He said, Do you think those people who were killed were bigger sinners than... The rest of us, the rest of the world, the rest of people, you think they were bigger sinners? The Galileans that got killed, do you think they were bigger sinners than the other Galileans? Now he's using them as an example. I've heard, uh, I think I've seen it on Facebook actually, when, I don't remember how much of California, but there was uh, some of California that were, that was burned through wildfires and so people, I've seen people say, oh, that's just God's judgment. Oh, they, he burned them because there's so much sin there. And it goes right back to this same scenario. Do you think that the people in California are so much more bigger sinners than the rest of us in the world? Jesus
1: cleared that up. I tell you, Nathan. No. <laughs> Jesus cleared it up. Read that again. I tell you, Nate. No.
0: Lights. <laughs> Do we think just because somebody, some disaster, something horrific has happened to a certain group of people, Jesus said, you think that they were greater sinners than the rest of people? No. Not so. They weren't. Keep going, Mel but except you repent. Except you change. You shall all likewise. Perish. Except you give up the sins, that's the that's the topic that was at hand sin. He said, "You think they were bigger sinners?" He said, Jesus response said, "No, they weren't bigger sinners, but I'm going to tell you what. If you don't give up your sins, you're going you're going to perish yourself. You're going to still work unto death. Let's keep going,
1: Mel. Or those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? He said, I, Jesus said, that's
0: not enough. Somebody else need another example. What about the tower that fell on these people and killed 18 of them? You think all 18 of them people, they got killed in that instance because they were so much more worse than the rest of people? No. The rest, no, they were
1: not worse than the rest of us. Read verse 5 for it, Mel. I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish.
0: If you don't repent, every single one of us is going to hell. Every single one of us. If we don't repent, that's a change. The subject, again, somebody said repent don't mean that. The subject was sin. That's the subject. So repentance has to be a change from sin. Otherwise, then why was he even bringing it up? Somebody said, repentance is just saying, I'm sorry. So that's all, the, that's all Jesus wanted that whole time it was just for somebody to say, I'm sorry, Jesus, and keep going by their merry way. No, he wanted us to change. That's what the scriptures are about. That's what, that's what it's all about, change sure we've messed up, sure we've done wrong, but God is giving us another opportunity to change. The murderer, he's giving them an opportunity to change. That's what he did for Paul. Well, Originally he was Saul, but that's what he did for him. He gave him a chance to change. And when he did, Saul responded to that. And he said, you know what, you're right. I can't keep going the way I'm going. I can't keep going around having people killed. I have to repent. I have to line up with the will of God. And that's the same position that we sit in today. We wear those same shoes, having the opportunity to change. And again, Jesus said we must all, we must all repent. I don't care if a person looks like they sin way more than Tony doesn't matter. I don't care if Tony looks like he sins way more than the next person. Jesus said, you all better do this. If you want to be saved. Now, if you don't want to be saved, you don't have to do anything. If you don't want to be saved, you can keep doing what you want to do. But for those that are serious, this is a cry. This is a plea to repent, to have a change of heart, to feel sorry for what you've done. Because God loves us so much that He's even presenting us this opportunity. But I wanted to clear one thing up. Uh well, well let's go let's go to Acts 238 first before I go to this other place.
1: Uh 37. Now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? I'm sorry, go back to 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know it surely that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ. Now, here, Peter is talking
0: and he informs these people that the same one that they killed. Jesus Christ, he's talking to the Jews here the same one that they killed God put him in that position they killed someone God sent and we know the scriptures say touch not mine anointed don't do the prophets any harm but they did and so here in 37 which he just read they heard the wrong that they had done and they said, "Well, what should we do now? What do we need to do?" What does Peter say to them, then? Then Peter said unto them, "Repent, change." Peter said, "You need to have a change. You need to make a change. Have a change of heart. Don't go around still doing wrong things. Things we know are wrong, we still doing them. Don't go around doing that. Have a change. Make a change." That's the same cry, it's incredible, if we take the time to look at how everybody came with the same message in the Bible. John the Baptist came here to make the pathway of the Lord straight. He came here to set the record straight. He came here and said, look, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Messiah is coming. What we need to do is change. We need to work. Look, if you've been doing evil to folks, you've been being uh, evil to people, you need to stop that. If you've been falsely accusing, if you've been lying on people, you need to stop. Don't curse people. Wish good upon them. So many things he said we need to repent of. So we see here, now after John the Baptist has gone, after Jesus has gone, now we have Peter. And the rest of the apostles, his message is the same thing. He said change. Don't just get baptized and get the Holy Ghost and don't want to change. It's not going to do you any good. Don't get, (laughs) we have to make a change. That's what God is calling for, a change on our lives. But again, change is, is a hard thing sometimes because it's foreign. It's something new to us. We're not used to it. But really, it's really not hard. It's just we're not used to it. Things seem so hard when you're not used to them. They seem so hard. And as soon as you get in the routine of doing it, you're like, man, I can do this in my sleep. I do it all the time. But I wanted to clear up one thing uh, in Romans, the 11th chapter. And verse 29. Because a lot of times we feel as if, i put it this way, we can have a person who has prayed to God for some type of healing and they receive that healing. And we'll look at these people and say, they gotta be saved. They have to be saved. God healed that person. You mean to tell me they're not saved? God healed them. <laughs> no, that is not mean a person saved. We look at gifts and assume that because we received a gift, that we have to be in the right standing with God. It's not true.
1: That's not true. Let's look at what Paul says here. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance
0: you can receive a gift and you can be called and you had not even repented. You have not changed and became the person that God wanted you to be. But you can still receive the gift. You can still be called to do a job. For example, again, we see Paul. Look Look at what Paul was doing. Jesus called Paul in the midst of him headed to kill people, to have people kill. He called him in the midst of him doing that. Paul hadn't changed, but still Jesus called him. So the point is the point he's trying to make is just because you received some type of gift, that doesn't mean you've repented now. That doesn't mean you repented just because someone is healed, just because someone has the Holy Ghost, so many things we look at and we assume that someone is repentant. Just because a person says, I'm a, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, doesn't mean a person repentant. Just because a person says, I'm called to do this job for God, doesn't mean they've repented. And so I wanted to clear that up so that we won't be confused. So that we just won't automatically assume, because God has done this for me in my life, I know I'm right with God. That doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean it. Except we repent. We'll all perish. So the, there is an importance on repentance. If you look at, uh, I'll give you another example. When, matter of fact, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go to it. Uh, Luke the ninth chapter. Luke the ninth chapter, verse
1: forty, forty nine. And John answered and said, "Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade forbade them, because he followed not with us."
0: Look at what happens here closely. The apostle John, his disciple, not John the Baptist, different John, one of the 12, he tells Jesus, he said, we saw someone, now he was casting out devils in your name, Jesus, but he don't even follow you now. That person doesn't even follow you, but he cast out a devil in your name. John said we forbade him We told him not to do that no more (laughs) Because he wasn't following you (laughs) What this story is showing us is Gifts and calling are without repentance This person was not even saved Because he wasn't even following Jesus He didn't even know Jesus that way He was not following under the teaching of Jesus Yet, God allowed him to cast out a devil because that name means something. There's power in that name. But so here, we see this person they're talking about. He had not repented. Why? Because John had to forbid him. He said, "No, no, don't be don't be casting out devils in Jesus' name. You don't even know him like that." But he's trying to show us that. A gift can come without repentance. You don't have to truly be saved to cast out a devil. Because a gift can come without you truly being saved, without repentance. Without repentance, there's not going to be any salvation. So that goes into when Jesus was talking about how many were going to come to him in that. Let's go pick that up. Matthew, the seventh chapter. And we'll start at verse. Let's, let's go back to 19. Matthew 7, 19.
1: Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Everybody who
0: is not, who has not repented, will be cast into the fire. Mm-hmm. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. You're gonna know. The tree by its fruits. You're going to know if a person is truly trying to live for God, you'll know by their actions,
1: by the way they carry themselves. Mm -hmm. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not just because they're talking the
0: talk. No, no, no. Not just because they said they, they believe in Jesus. Not because they're just saying, Lord, Lord. Not because they go to church every now and then. No, that, that, that's not how you know. You're going to know by their actions, by the way they live, if they live according to the Scripture, if
1: they have repented. Mm-hmm. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. If they have repented, because that's the will.
0: His will is that we repent. That's the reason John the Baptist said it. That's his will. That's the reason Jesus said it. That's the reason Peter said it. That's the reason Paul said it. That's God's will that you change. It ain't Tony's will. (laughs) Look, friend, you can do whatever you want to do, but I will encourage you to repent because I care about you. I want to see you saved, but
1: I know at the end of the day, that's your choice. Mm Mm-hmm. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Now, these are the people that he's turning away. They're going to
0: say, we prophesied in your name.
1: Mm -hmm. And in thy name cast out devils?
0: We even casted out devils. And you mean to tell me we didn't repent? No, you didn't repent. (laughs) You did not repent. Why? Because if you knew the scriptures, Jesus said, we err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. If you knew the scripture, you would know that gifts and a calling are without repentance. You didn't have to repent just to cast out a devil. That didn't mean you were saved just because you cast. That didn't mean you were saved because you prophesied in God's name. That didn't mean that. You still have to repent. It's still something that you have to do. It's not enough to talk. Mm Mm-hmm. And in thy name done many wonderful works. that don't mean nothing because you built a nice church. That don't mean anything because you built a water slide for the kids. That don't mean anything because you put up a basketball court. No, we have to do the will of God. We have to repent, have a good heart towards people. Love one another, forgive one another. Don't lie on one another. Don't be out there playing basketball, and the next thing you know, we say, well, I'm going I'm to a, I'm a steal on you in a minute, you keep on hit fouling like that. That's not a repentant, repentant heart. We don't find Jesus talking about stealing on anybody. So how can we say we have the same mindset as Christ, the same love as Christ, and we want to hurt each other? John told us, don't be out there doing evil to each other. Don't do no harm to each other. That's not repentance. We have, we even have preachers right now talking about hurting one another. Talking about how they got their gun for somebody. That's not repentance. If we read, (laughs) if we read about when Jesus was being taken, uh, Before they crucified him, when the soldiers came to take him, and if we read about that, uh, Peter had a sword. Jesus told him, put the sword up. He said, put your weapon up. We no longer fight with weapons now. We're no longer doing that. He told that man, you need to repent. You need to change. I know you used to fighting with weapons. I know we used to guns. I know we used to knives. I know we used to fighting all the time, but the Lord is calling. He said, we got to repent. He said, you got to change that. You can't go around the same way we used to. If we are in Christ, old things are passed away and all things have become new, supposed to be. But we come to Christ and we say, I'm gonna stay the same way I was. We don't want to repent. We want to stay the same way. It's nothing wrong with coming to church in one situation, but we can't stay there in the same situation. We don't go to a doctor for years and we hope to still have cancer. No, we go to the doctor to change our situation. So how can we come to the Lord God and not change our situation, not change who we are? That's what God wants to do for us. He wants to make us better. Change is not always a bad thing, and this scenario, change is the best thing we could possibly do. But I just wanted to clear a few things up because, as a matter of fact, let let's keep reading down. Let's let's read twenty three before we.
1: And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He said, I never even knew you. Why? Cause you didn't you didn't repent.
0: I never even knew you. You didn't repent. You didn't change your ways. We can't again, we cannot come to God and expect to stay the same. We don't go to really anything and expect to leave the same way. We go we don't go to a job and expect to leave as broke as we came there. <laughs> we go to a job expecting after the week, after the two weeks, after the month, after the three months, whatever, whenever you get paid, you expect to increase your financials. That's what we go there for. Again, we don't go to a doctor to stay sick. So if we're going to come to God, He is asking us to change. That, that's God, that ain't got nothing to do with Tony. <laughs> because again, Tony, in Tony's mind, Tony says you do whatever you wanna do, but because Christ has overtaken me because Christ, the love of Christ has started to dwell inside of me. Now I say, man, you got to change that because I don't want to see anything bad happen to you. I don't. And I know that Jesus said, we unless we all do it, he didn't say just, just the black folks. He didn't say just the white folks change. He didn't just say just the Mexican change. He said, unless you all, you got to all repent. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what you identify as. I don't care what your gender is. He said, you have to change. You got to repent. So it would be sad for us to do all the things we've done in Jesus' name and still be rejected in that day. I mean, that's you talk about sad. You talk about sad when you've thought your entire life you were saved, and to get to the very end, and he say, and you say to him, Lord, you know, I've done so much in your name, God, I've put so much tithes in, I've given to the poor, I helped people whenever I had a chance, God, and for him to respond to that and say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I don't even know you. For him to say that, that's a sad thing, friends. That's a sad thing. But again, he's, the Scriptures cannot be broken. He's already said, Unless you repent, you won't be saved unless you do it. So that, that's going to stand. And so, (laughs) I already know a lot of people aren't going to want to hear this. But this is what we need to hear to be saved. Now, if you don't want to be saved, (laughs) that's on you, friend. I wish you the best of luck, but I know (laughs) luck ain't on your side with that, if you don't want to repent. But I I hope I've cleared a few things up um, because it's easy to be deceived and thinking that we're okay when we haven't repented. Yep. But I I can sit here and talk all night. I'm giving Melvin an opportunity to say something. <laughs> because I'll definitely just keep
1: talking. I don't have that much. I see um, Sharon is in the comments. Amen, Sharon. I know you have some questions. So we're <laughs> lo- looking forward to answering them. How's it going, Sharon? (laughs) But in the meantime, um, I hope everybody got something from that because it's definitely a misconception with the word uh, repentance. But as we've said, or as the word says, um, repentance, um, is not just saying I'm sorry and going back and doing the same thing. It's actually making a change of heart. As we um, briefly touched on in the second chapter of Acts, when um peter said that um god has made that same jesus that you crucified and um they felt they got pricked in the heart see a lot of people when we say things that they don't want to hear they'll say you think jesus will talk to people like that jesus is all love 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 and you're gonna get a new house and you're gonna get a new car and all the good stuff i mean He will, but he also set people straight. And so Peter said, they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent. That's the first thing he said, repent. Now, they didn't say, I'm sorry. And then go back to crucifying people. Same thing with Saul before it became Paul. He didn't say he was sorry to Jesus when Jesus set that roadblock up for him and said, I'm Jesus, whom you us. He didn't say sorry and go back to killing Christians for um, preaching in Jesus' name. They had to make a change of heart. Same thing the Jews did for crucifying Jesus. They had to make a change of heart. So that's what we have to do. We all have had sins that we've struggled with in the past and the majority of them are our own fault because we keep putting ourselves in the position to want to sin again and i know i have definitely been guilty of that so and that's probably one of the hardest things to do to change your mindset to change your outlook and your view on things but that's what you have to do because that's society man society has just totally brainwashed us into moving further and further away from what god has called everybody to do and so now we have to get rebrainwashed into what the bible says because the bible the whole truth isn't being taught in a lot of different places it is not being taught it's um a very watered down gospel like i've said in the past it's we may we go to church and we may read one or two scriptures and then the preacher proceeds with a motivational speech on how is your year and is your time to shine we'd have our counter followers if we had a, the motivation going <laughs> right and there's nothing wrong with a good motivational speech but again how is being motivated helping me get into heaven how is that teaching me what the scripture is actually saying? What we all must do. Every single one of us. We're all equal in God's eyes. There is no big I or little you. God is no respecter of persons. It reigns on the just and on the unjust. He's calling all of us for repentance. For a change of heart. Because I go around every, every single day. And I'm like, man, this is just how bad the world is the state we're moving further and further away from God in Israel it's our time clock we are the we are Israel's only ally so hope that we all keep that in mind we are definitely living in the last days as Paul even said back in his time Jesus could come back at any time mm-hmm man sharon doesn't have any questions <laughs> okay here we oh, go she
0: just said something
1: sharon says i have found that having a change of the mindset is very hard to do yes and once a person is set in their ways so to speak it is hard to go into another mind frame and way of thinking i'm one of those people i'm trying to change to be better than i was yesterday but it is definitely a process yes it is definitely definitely a process
0: But on your own, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If you truly have that desire, God will I mean, God will work a work in you, and you'll look back on yourself, and you're like, man, I can't believe I used to even think like that.
1: Yeah.
0: But go ahead, man. That,
1: that's true. Um, As we say all the time, I'm pretty sure we mention this in every book. Broadcast, And for the few people that listen are probably tired of hearing it. But get baptized in Jesus' name and get the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. And it will definitely help. It, will, it never, anything we do, getting started is always the hardest part. But we have to come from somewhere. Peter had to come from somewhere. Before he got the Holy Ghost, he denied Jesus three times. And one time, he was even cursing the people out. I can't imagine what all he was saying. He was like, I don't know that man. I told y'all I don't know this man. Get out of my face now. And, but when he, in Acts chapter 1, when they received, well, Jesus said, after that, the power of the Holy Ghost, they will receive power with the Holy Ghost, and they received it in chapter 2. And Sharon says, where does a person start? <laughs> so we should go
0: back and look at Acts 2.36 again. Um because we see, I want to go back and look at what Peter said, because now we're talking about people who have seen Jesus face to face. So if anybody would know how we need to better ourselves, how we need to change our hearts, they would know. And so let's look at what they
1: said. We're going to read this again, uh, start at 36 you will. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, he's calling
0: them out on what they've done wrong. He said, y'all crucified Jesus. Let's keep
1: going. And people get mad at that when you call them out. They say, you trying to judge me. Oh, yeah. I'll explain how that's not judging, but um, anyway, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do?" They felt bad enough inside of them,
0: their heart changed. They had a heart change, they said, they felt bad enough to say, man, you're right. Instead of denying it, and instead of, and we do that a lot, we say, no, no, this ain't nothing wrong. Don't don't talk about what I'm doing. What about what you doing? That's not what they did here. They looked at themselves. They stood in the mirror and looked at their condition. they said, "Man, you're right. So what do I need to do? Same question you asking now, Sharon. you said, "Well where do I start? What do I need to do?" That's definitely what we do, what we don't do. <laughs> so look at how Peter then responds
1: then Peter said unto them repent have a change of heart and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins now this is straight from the apple's mouth the horse's mouth excuse me he said
0: he said have a change of heart get baptized in Jesus name and what else he said
1: the uh, the remission of the um, for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost you need to have a change of heart get baptized in jesus name
0: and receive the holy ghost those are the first things because once you do that everything else will start to become easier and easier without these things it's going to be a battle and it won't even be possible to do because we didn't obey the scriptures. So here is the starting point. This is it's important to go and check these boxes off and say have I been baptized in Jesus name? Have I received the Holy Ghost? Am I sure I've done this? These are, these are the first steps that he's calling us to do. Matter of fact let's go to the book of uh, to the 19th chapter. We'll see the same thing
1: We'll see this exact same thing in the 19th chapter. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Paul, Paul wrote majority
0: of the New Testament. He comes to Ephesus. Now he found some disciples. Disciples are people who already, they already admitted they believe in God. They already are followers of God to the best of their knowledge. He came down here found some already followers
1: of God. So Look at what he says to them. He said unto them. Have you received the Holy Ghost and she believed? He asked them the same stuff That
0: Peter said what did Peter say? Peter said get the Holy Ghost get baptized in Jesus name Paul comes down here He checks out these people's salvation. He said hold on now Now we talking about true people of God. He said Did you get the Holy Ghost yet? I know you believe in Jesus Christ. I know you believe in God. But did you get the Holy Ghost yet? Because that's the only way
1: that you can truly repent, is if you do these things. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Read verse 2 again. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Mm -hmm. And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. They said, we we ain't got the Holy Ghost, man. They said, we
0: don't have the Holy Ghost. He said, okay, well, did you get baptized? Who who baptized you? Did you get baptized? Same two things. They asked Peter in Acts chapter 2, what do we need to do? Where do we start at, man? We want to get right with God. Where do we start? Peter said, get the Holy Ghost, get baptized. Paul comes down here, found some already believers in God. He says, have y'all gotten the Holy Ghost yet? He said, the Holy Ghost? No, we ain't got nothing called the Holy Ghost. We don't even know what it is, man. What are you talking about? He said, "Well, well, who baptized? Did somebody, did you get baptized? Same two things.
1: So, skip down to verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's
0: where they started it. They said, Paul said, we got to baptize you then. We have to do this. This is what God desires for you to do. We have to do this in order to be recognized by God, in order to be identified. Because, again, we've seen... Jesus is going to tell some people who were disciples, who were followers. He's going to say, "Look, depart from me. I know you're not. Why? Because they didn't get the baptism. They didn't get the Holy Ghost. They didn't repent. Go ahead and uh, read verse 6, man.
1: And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. They got the Holy Ghost.
0: They got baptized. They got the Holy Ghost. So, what, what I'm trying to show here is that this is where we start. Yep. This is the starting place. This is the foundation of the gospel. This is the foundation here. We see all of the people who truly understood God, the people throughout scriptures, uh, the 12, among uh, even the deacons, other people. we see them, they go around preaching, the baptism in Jesus' name, and the receiving of the Holy Ghost as the initial things that we need to work on. So this is where we start at. And it'll get so much. God tells us to do this for a reason. If we do these things here, baptism and getting the Holy Ghost, God will make everything easier. He's not going to tell us to do
1: something that's not going to benefit us. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Because on the outside looking in, it's like, man, I don't see how this, what does baptism got to do with anything? People say that all the time. Well, how's baptism gonna make my situation better? Because God told you so. Tony didn't tell you to do this. God told you to do this. So if we would just listen to what God said, a lot of times things God says doesn't seem like it makes sense. But it makes all kinds of sense. So, uh, hopefully that helps Sharon. Uh, But but this is the starting place to get baptized in Jesus' name and to receive the Holy Ghost. Like I said, it it may not seem like it's that important, but it means everything.
1: Yep. One of the two most important things. Well, two of the most important things.
0: Hopefully... That's pretty clear, Uh, but I just wanted to show in the two different places that we looked at in Acts, the second chapter and the uh, 19th chapter, how these were the first two things that those people then said, so if we serve the same God today, we should also be preaching these same two things,
1: because God hadn't changed. So the preachers that we listen to Should be asking us the same two questions same Have you been baptized in Jesus name Oh really Have you gotten the Holy Ghost yet Okay well let's set up something so we can get that done for you same Doesn't matter the step. time or the place Same stuff Rushing mighty wind
0: We should be preaching the same Gospel today but Today
1: We're teaching a different gospel Paul had to call the Galatians foolish <laughs> that was so soon removed from the gospel of Christ. And that's the majority of us today. Shane said that clears up a lot of the explanation that you guys gave. You know, we're glad that we could help at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because we definitely can, you know, not uncover what these scriptures are talking about by on our own. But if you have any more questions, definitely keep them coming. Yes. But I was thinking um, it's definitely um, a lot of things that God tells us to do, a lot of it doesn't make sense. from <laughs> the natural. Yeah, eye. in, in yeah. the corner. Of my, like when he told Moses to grab the snake and by its tail. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> We all know today that if we're crazy enough to grab this, grab a snake, we should grab it by his head. Am I right? But I told him to grab it by his tail. Now how many of us would do that today? We'll be looking at it like,
0: man, I must have heard God wrong, because ain't no way. <laughs> it is no
1: way that I'm doing this. That's what a lot of people's reaction is when we try to tell them, hey, this is what God said, do. Bring it up in Scripture. And they say, I'm, I'm just not doing it. Uh-uh. Mm, just don't make I sense. I grew up in this certain church, and this certain lifestyle. And Shannon said, surely not me. <laughs> Talking about picking the snake up by his tail. Or picking the snake up at all. <laughs> at all. I don't even want to pick him up by his head. I might
0: miss his head. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But that's how God operates. Always telling us to do things contrary to our own sense, our own thoughts. But he said his ways aren't ours. His thoughts aren't ours. He don't, he don't have to operate within the way we operate. And
1: how else is he going to get us to trust him? Mm-hmm. He's going to bring us to something that we think is totally impossible to get out of, then he's going to bring us through and he's going to say, look, what I tell you, all I need you to do is trust in me. Mm-hmm. And if you trust in me, that means you're going to do exactly what I say. So, and that's another thing about what God said do. A lot of us will try to do it, but add our own little twist to it. I mean, for instance, the whole baptism thing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. People will look at that and say, look, I have my, my conscience is right. I I did it for the right reason. Just, so what? He didn't say it in Jesus' name. I mean, it's still a baptism. God has to have respect for that. But we can take that all the way back to Genesis with Cain and Abel. from For the sacrifice that they had to offer up. See, Cain, he brought some fruit. As a sacrifice. And the Lord said it must contain blood. See Abel's sacrifice. He brought. He, his contained blood. So on Cain's viewpoint. He, it was like he got baptized. In the name of the Father, Son and Holy Ghost. I mean it was still a sacrifice. Just like that baptism. It is still a baptism. But it is not exactly the way that God said do it. So the scripture reads. God had had respect. Unto Abel's offering. But not unto Cain's. So that is the same way he's going to look at us today. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but I mean, the way we do it, the way we get baptized, it has to be a particular way. God has an order. He has a set standard of how we do things, and we will be rewarded very handsomely if we do the things that he said. More than the things that we work our butts off to try to get. Things a lot better than those. But all we have to do is do what he said. And it's not hard. Sure, you may get a couple weird looks, but I mean, you're not trying to please men, because those opinions not are not going to matter at all. Like I said before, on Judgment Day, he's not going to say, well, I'll let you in. I I not want you to get your feelings hurt, because Sally down there think you uh crazy for getting baptized, and then speaking that gibberish in tongues, you know, when you get the Holy Ghost. It's not going to say that. Just read it. He's going to say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I know you not. Even though, all, even though you did all this stuff you thought was right. And you think we feel sadness here on earth. That, that sadness that you're going to feel like an, etern- an eternity separated from God. There will be no chances after that. Once you hear that, it's going to be a wrap. It's going to be OV. So but he gives us chance after chance after chance to get it right while we're here on earth while we're still alive in a natural standpoint while we're still here he gives us chance after chance in revelations we, behold I stand at the door and knock he's not going to force he's not going to break in he's telling us to do a lot of things but it's still up to us if we're going to actually do them or not because he loves us so much that he's gonna let us do whatever we want, even though it's hurting him, even though we're desecrating his name daily, even though we wrap the Jesus chain, the cross chain around our neck, we put it, uh, we get it tattooed on our chest, we get it on our license plate, but <laughs> we're still not actually doing what he said. So that's all I really have to say. So, unless Sharon or anybody else has any other questions then we can go ahead and cut it off right there so <clears throat> in closing remarks i ask you again not just to you Shannon, but anybody who out there who may watch this who may watch this later or whoever may listen to it later on have you gotten the holy ghost just reading this in this chapter what paul asks, you say you're a believer you say you are a follower of christ just like these people down there at Ephesus. And Ephesus, for those that don't know, in Corinth, he mentions Corinth too. That's where we get the church of Corinthians. And that's where we get the church of Ephesians. A lot of people go to those books to try to prove their salvation. Especially in Ephesians where they say we don't have to get baptized. Another place in Ephesians it says is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. But we see Paul go down to the to um Ephesus and um, Corinth and ask them, Look, I know you believe in Jesus. I know you do. I know you've already made the confession that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. But do you have the Holy Ghost, though? Oh, you ain't heard of it? Oh, okay. Well, how then were you baptized? Why is he asking these questions? Because this is how serious it is. No matter who says you don't have to get baptized or get the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues, we see it laid out in Scripture, those very two things. John chapter 3, 1 through 5. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Yes, we reference the book of Acts a lot because that's how we have to make sure that our Acts line up with the Acts of the Apostles. Actions. Yep, actions. That's what I mean. Because... I was just saying, Acts (laughs) means actions. (laughs) I was just saying. Right. Because Jesus told them, whoever hears your words, hears me. So when we listen to the apostles' words, we're listening to Jesus' words. Jesus says, those who hear me, hear; here's him who sent me. So when we're listening to the words the apostles say, we're listening to what God says. Because all scripture is inspired by God. So we have to make sure that our lives align with all scripture. Because when we, come, when we become a believer at one point, we become a, an unbeliever at all points. Sad as that is to say, but I'm happy to let you know that a lot of that is a lot of misconceptions in, in that, so that we can all get right. So we can all see well done, my good and faithful servant. Sharon says this is off subject, but I read a quote from D. L. Hewley, and it stated the same people who gave us the N-word gave us Jesus. I was wondering what that quote really meant. Do y'all have a thought on that? Uh, that quote is
0: misinformed. A lot of people will, and I was talking to uh, a guy maybe like a couple of weeks ago, he was telling me how he used to be a Christian, but he stopped believing in Christianity because he felt that it was white people who pushed the Bible on blacks but that's such a misconception. Now, I'm not gonna say that no one, whether it be white, black, brown, whoever, purple, it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that nobody has ever uh, mishandled the Bible. People, you, I see it every day. I mean, I talk to people every day that know certain things are wrong that they're doing, but they twist it up to benefit them. They said, well, I don't have to do that part. That was just some other time. Things changed now. God's changed. No, God still wants He's still requiring what he said. But anyways, the point is that people will twist things to fit them. That's nothing but an attack of the devil. The devil doesn't want you to believe in Jesus, but there's power in the name of Jesus. There is so much power in the name of Jesus. The devil don't want you calling on that name. But there, people are going to fight and come up with all kinds of things and say, well, um, racist people wrote the Bible. But the Bible talks about nothing but love for all people. I mean, all people. That's all it talks about is love. That's all the message of Jesus is, is love. The Bible is the only book proven to be inspired by God. The only book in the world proven to be inspired by God. Only book. But again, it is the devil who wants us to believe that Jesus is made up. Jesus is a racist. Or the people that wrote the Bible is racist. No. people who There are a lot of people who will take it and use it how they see fit. I've seen Uh, KKK members use the Bible to justify them killing people. But that's just to fit their motive. So again, people, there's a lot of people who will take the Bible and use it to fit their motive. But there is no scriptural evidence to back it up. So the devil wants to fight the truth about God any way he possibly can. Any way he possibly can. Because No matter if he gets blacks to believe that racist people uh, wrote the Bible or pushed the Bible on them, if he gets them to stop believing in God and in Jesus Christ, he won. If he gets you to believe that some other religion is the true religion of God, it doesn't matter how he does it, his job is only to take your focus off of Christ. That's all, his, that's all his focus is. He don't care how he do it. He doesn't care how he does it. But So people are going to come up with all types of things, all sorts of ways to confuse people and to deceive them. That's all the devil wants to do is to deceive us. Yep. But um, I hope that makes sense. But again, people just want to take our focus away from Jesus. That's it. That's it. Because barriers break when that name is called. Like no other name. There is no other name under the sun that we should be saved by other than the name of Jesus. People call on his name all day long. There's, There's no coincidence that that is the name that we pray in. Because that name means something. And so if that name means something, the devil wants to tell you that that name doesn't mean anything at all. Because that's his job. That's what he's gonna do. That's what he's here for. To test us. And so God is allowing the test to be there to see which side we're going to choose. Are we going to stick with the Lord? because if we truly understood who, if we look at it, the Bible says God is no respecter of person, but that's what we look at. We look at color, race, ethnicity, gender, but God is no respecter of those things. That's what the Bible teaches us. So we see how the Bible is so different than the way we think it couldn't be anybody but God telling telling us to love our enemies. What person, what person in the world is saying stuff like that? <laughs> what person is saying things like love your enemies? Oh, do good to people that hate you. What person is saying stuff like that? We <laughs> saying the total opposite. <laughs> we said, no, you better kill them. That's what we say. You better hurt them. You better punish them. But that's not the love of Jesus. So again, the, the devil just wants to deceive us and have us thinking so many off things. He, we really cannot even, we can't even find any physical characteristics of Jesus. We can't even find any in the Bible because the Bible is not meant to be written as far as race stands. We can't even find any characteristics. Now, somebody said, no, yes, you can. The only thing you're going to see is is going to tell you about how his skin looked like it was made of brass. The hair as if it were wool. Those are the things that it's going to tell you, but that's not even talking about Jesus physically. That's talking about... (laughs) Jesus in his glorified state, and that's I don't even want to get into that. But we can't even find any physical characteristics of how the man Jesus looked. It don't tell us how the man Jesus looked. It don't tell us how tall he was, uh, how short or how short he was. Doesn't tell us how fat he was, how skinny he was. <laughs> Doesn't say anything about the way Jesus looked. Doesn't tell us if. If he had big eyes, if his eyes were blue, his eyes were... It, the Bible tells us he has he had eyes as a fire. Nobody's got eyes of fire. <laughs> Nobody walks around and you say, man, I see fire in their eyes. That's all I see is just red fire. The Bible doesn't tell us about Jesus physically, but the devil wants you to think, oh, yeah. It was it was it was racist people that wrote that Bible. They the racist people don't want, they they push religion on you. That's what the that's what the devil wants you to believe. But again, the Bible don't tell you anything about Jesus physical. Not a single thing. But the devil turns around and says, "Oh yeah, it's all about it's all about the physical. It's all that's all it's about. It's about uh, superiority. That's all it's about. One race is trying to be better than the next race." But that's not what we find in the Bible That ain't even close to what we find So how can we go from a Bible That doesn't even tell us what Jesus looks like Tell us what a lot of other people look like in the Bible though It told me. Uh, tells me how uh, uh, Shoot, I forgot the man's name Not Samuel I'm looking for the king's name I can't even think of the king's name But it tells us how David, how he was a short man, how he was very ruddy, his appearance, how he was a good looking man. It tells us how a lot of people look in the Bible. And I can't think of the king's name. uh, King Saul, good God. King Saul, it tells us how he was a very tall man, how he was really one of the most attractive men that they had in Israel. He was the tallest man in Israel for sure, it tells us. So we see physical characteristics of so many people throughout Scripture. But when it comes to Jesus, ain't got nothing to do with physical. I ain't got a single thing to do with how he physically looked. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, it tells us there's no comeliness that we should desire when we see him. We're not even looking at Jesus for how he, we don't even love him for how he physically looks. That's not what it's about. So for anyone to tell you that the Bible, because the only religion, the true religion of the Bible is of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if they tell you the Bible was something created uh, and something pushed upon a, a group of people to suppress them, totally off. Because, again, the Bible don't even tell us how Jesus physically looked. It had nothing to do with his physical look. It had to do with how he cared about us, how he came and loved uh, people, how he was, yet he was, he was rich, but he made himself poor for us. Now, what person going to make themselves poor for somebody? What person is going to lay down their life for somebody? What person is going to let somebody spit on them, talk about them, laugh at them, make jokes about them? What person going to do that? And still love you. And still love you. So, (laughs) the devil is clever. He's clever now. He'll have (laughs) he'll have you mad. (laughs) He'll have you mad at God and thinking God's done you wrong. So it's just a trick of the devil to think to have people (laughs) to have you thinking that. The gospel of Jesus and Jesus and and the teaching of Jesus is just a way to suppress people, to control them. No, that's the true, that's the gospel of God. That's the true gospel of the Lord. So um, I hope that helps, Sharon. Um, I really hope that helps because uh, there's a lot of confusion on that. I mean, I've heard a lot of different stuff. Uh, so many other topics that we can even expand into out of that
1: I remember our very first live stream somebody came on and what did they say? They said before It was like during slavery what religion was your people or something like that It's crazy Okay, amen. I was wondering what you were saying
0: <laughs> There's so many religions
1: in the world So many religions but it's only one true one. And people say, who's to say that your your belief is right? It's a million different beliefs out there. Because of the devil.
0: Better study to find out which one is right. Because a lack of knowledge will hurt you.
1: And it just brings me back to, you know, while reading the book of Acts and to see what all the Apostles had to to go through and they never lost the faith so we have to be that same way I mean they got put in prison (laughs) beat up a lot of times and they were happy to take it took it all with joy because it was for Jesus now how many of us are gonna do that today We mention Jesus' name and we getting beat up and then next thing you know we all we're all smiles and say, I took it for Jesus. Not saying that that's gonna happen, but Sharon says, That's all the questions I have for this week, but I know where I can come to ask what I don't when when I don't understand something. Always, Sharon.
0: I really appreciate the questions.
1: Most definitely. Definitely been <laughs> consistent. Well, if that be all, then we're really gonna cut it off right there. And thanks everybody who's watching now, and who's gonna watch later, and who is, who are going to listen later. It really means a lot, just to me, but to God, when you're trying to actually learn about Him and learn what He said do. So, as always, um, we have Bible study. Every Tuesday, in-person Bible study um, at 6.30, same time as Thursday. And every Thursday at 6.30, we'll be here on Facebook, <laughs> as we are now. So do you have anything else? I don't have anything. So uh, thanks again, Sharon, and thanks to everybody else. We appreciate it, and we pray that you guys continue mm-hmm. to have a blessed night and a blessed and safe and dry weekend because it's supposed to storm. And we'll definitely see you guys Tuesday, and if not then, then next Thursday, if the Lord blesses and says the same. So, thank you. Thank you, guys.